Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction, simulcast on stadium. 32.3133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline, 337-706-0111, Lots of interviews today. So if you would like to get in the first segment of each hour and the last segment of each hour are going to be the only times to do it. I did see a little NCAA tournament action last night, saw about the last five minutes in the overtime period of the Kansas State, Michigan State game. It was, I mean, I know there's been some good games in this tournament. It'd be kind of hard to beat that one. That was um, a lot of intensity, some great shots, and a lot, lot, lot of good stuff there. Do you remember Marquise Noel playing for Little Rock against the Cajuns? I do. Uh, That's the first thing. I mean, when I saw him, I said there's, because I don't know. I've watched Kansas State, but I don't know why I didn't, I didn't put that together when I had seen them play this year. But then I saw, I saw the name again, and I said, wait a minute. Yeah, and it was there. He is, which I didn't remember him being that short either. But I didn't remember him being that good either. So and there's a lot of things. Feisty. I didn't he was feisty last night. Oh, he um, was good. Um, and they did. Um, it, 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 well, I mean, it looked like it was going to be Kansas State, and then it kind of looked like Michigan State had taken over, and then Kansas State came back at the end. So it was. I, you know, I got to tell you, different people view things differently. I was kind of hoping Tennessee would win. I mean, long, long time ago, the Cages were in the same conference with FAU. And um, it was, you know, they just had too much offense. And Tennessee just doesn't have enough offense, which we kind of knew from the beginning. But um, they they had figured out a way to get through it. So, we, we you know, some, some good NCAA tournament games. You know, the UC, I, I thought it was kind of ironic for a while there that all these top seeds are getting beat and UCLA, who lost one of its best players going into the tournament, wasn't getting beat. So I was like, man, how long is that going to last? I wasn't really shocked that Gonzaga beat him. And um, I, I just certainly didn't stay up to watch that game. But it was, uh, you know, it, it I saw the highlight of the end. So that was... That looked like a good game, too. So so lots of good games. Not a good night for the SEC. You know, Tennessee lost, but at least it was a somewhat competitive game. Arkansas got their face crushed. I mean, just. I, I'm i not surprised UConn won, but wow. That, was, that wasn't even. The final score wasn't even as was closer, made it seem closer than I think the actual game was. That was that was that was ugly. All right, so we've got that. I got to tell you, next week we're going to talk a little more Major League Baseball. And I'll try to make predictions, which we do every year, just to have a, a you know a base kind of a springboard into the season starting. But I've been kind of trying to convince myself that, like, in, in the in the NL ESPN division. You know, I think the Braves are going to be really good. I hadn't figured out the Mets yet, 
But I, I've been saying there's no way all those teams are going to be as good as all their offseason moves seem to be. And I know I was trumpeting Trey Turner earlier this week. But I don't know. Some tells me the Phillies are not going to be able to follow up on, on that little Cinderella run they made last year in the World Series. I just I don't see it. Uh, I uh, I don't I don't see it. And and now they've got the news that Reese Hoskins, their first baseman. I don't know if he's out for the year, but he's out a long time having surgery. So I don't know. I think that's a I think that's going to convince me that. I don't know if I'm going to pick the Phillies to even go to the playoffs, but we'll, we'll 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 finalize that next week. For now, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning. Listen, I just want to uh, real quick give a little insight. No more, uh, and I'm not trying to correct Dawson anything. It's a little two minute update or whatever, but there's no upset to the Sweet 16. Oh, man. Uh, you know that's just a, a, a just a win. Yeah, say you beat Tennessee. That's that's not a. Not well, a I mean, seed wise, it's an update, yeah, an upset. But, but yeah, I get we, what we you're saying. Stop yeah, thinking about that. You know, that's all. That's all a, a facade that they created, and that's a forty year year old thing. You know, I heard somebody talking over the weekend. CBS guys on on the, you know your net on your station about uh, we don't. We, we, you can't look at the NCAA anymore like that because it used to be one in a 16, you know, where big powerhouse had the bigs and they dominated. But it's such a guard-oriented game now. You know, I mean, it's just the game changed so much. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if there are any upsets anymore in the NCAA, but surely uh, we get to this level, you know, I mean, especially FAU probably was, you know, and then Dawson had said that. They, they were probably terribly – Underrated, so uh, you know. I just wanted to. I just like to chime in, Kevin, and I didn't, and, uh, and. All right, so because, wait a minute, uh, now, Manny, you, you gotta know. help me. I know, I know, we still got the NCAA tournament and all that, but uh, we're we're not that far away from being a month away from the drive. We have got. We I we cannot get caught off guard. So you yeah, got to help me. We had a three minute conversation the other day. I'm I'm working hard. When April hits next week, when we go to April, I'm going to tell you everybody that I think we might draft. So, I mean, you know, but still. This cat, Keon White, where where did he come from? By the way, all of a sudden I'm seeing Keon White's name everywhere. Like a month ago, I I didn't see his name one time. Uh, See, I I don't. uh, He's another compound guy. I think he's really got some big numbers. From Georgia Tech. Yeah, I don't think that guy's first round. You know, and I don't know. I don't see him being a first round guy. You know, I think, you know, when they start out with this, they a third round guy, and then they get to be a, a, a second round guy, and then they get to be a first round guy. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that's, yeah, you know, that's just, that's just stuff that they saw. So on and so forth, you know. So uh, all right. Yeah, so keep I mean, studying. I'm seeing that too, but you know, you, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you everybody, Kevin. I'm gonna work the whole month of April. All right. Make sure that on April 28th or 9th, that no curveballs are thrown at you. Oh yeah, all no curveballs. Shows will be throwing curveballs. Yes. All right. All right Thanks, Manny. Keon White. I mean, again, I. 
month ago I wasn't seeing his name. Now I've, I, I yesterday I saw him, and I'm not talking getting picked. I'm talking getting picked before the Saints pick this cat, Keon White. Man, I don't know. So again, the whole edge rusher thing is so. Like, there's so many of them, and Keon White's just an example of that. It's like, there's so many of them, and there's no way that even 80% of them are going to be make big impacts. So it's just, it's scary, because everyone wants them, and there's a ton of them, and you're, a lot of them are going to be hits, and a lot of them are going to be misses, and it's just so much room for error there. Edge rusher just scares me. It, it just, it uh, it's a scary position to draft. With all that said, that cat from Texas Tech, man, he just seems. I I, I just hope, I just hope he he's gone before the Falcons get there because it just seems like he's going to be really good. We'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out, but no, um, and there's some other names, and we're not going to get all into that right now. But there's a couple of other names that you didn't see at all early in mock drafts that are starting to creep in, and I'm assuming to Manny's point that that's a combine situation, but uh, but we'll see. We'll tr- and uh, um, Dawson did it at the top of the hour break, but uh, we'll try to keep you up to date. Uh, and all the game time changes. If you haven't heard, Cajun softballs at three. McNeese softball hasn't changed, but I gotta believe they're gonna change. I mean, um, well, I, I I don't think so. I think it's a travel situation. I think they're staying with where they're at, and they also have a, an extra day. I think because there's no game scheduled on Sunday. So from what I understand, that's likely gonna stay the way it is. So is the weather in McNeese gonna in Lake Charles supposed to be better on Sunday than it's supposed to be here in Mobile? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure on that. I guess it makes sense because it's a lot further west than than certainly Mobile is. Um, but I'm not fully sure on that. I I do have to fully disagree with something Manny said. There are 100 percent upsets at this round of the tournament. If Princeton beats Creighton today, that is a huge upset. I mean, not only you talk about the budgets of those organizations of the schools uh, that they put towards athletics, the facilities that are there the level of competition within the conferences and the amount of representation they get in co- in the NCAA tournament, I mean, I, I, I think it's 100% an upset. I'll, the Tennessee-FAU one, I do think FAU was just as good or better than Tennessee, and they were underseeded. So I understand right. his logic there, but still seed-wise. But if Princeton beats Creighton tonight and or wins another game in this tournament, I mean, that's, an, that's a huge upset. It's, though, that's not supposed to happen based on the cards that Princeton's dealt. So I think it's incredible what they've overcome to be where they are. I agree, but do you think they can win? Yeah, I mean they can just because of how well they're playing right now and you know that's they had a good matchup with Missouri because Missouri just wants to play chaos and wants to turn you over and Princeton's just so fundamentally sound they didn't let it happen. They just they just stayed under control. Um they'll have to shoot well. That's kind of what these all come down to, right? But you know Creighton's really good. But I mean if you know Missouri has just as much talent or more than Creighton and they beat them. So and and of course, you know they did it in the first round against Arizona. So they can. I, I don't. I. I did say on RP three. This is around the time Cinderella. You know, where around the time the clock strikes midnight. Usually for those types of teams, they don't usually make it too much past this. But St. Peter's did it last year, and we've seen it happen before. So I wouldn't be shocked. No, I would be surprised. Yes. Um. I guess kind of what Manny was saying is not so much that what you what you technically call it. I think he's saying he's no longer surprised by this stuff anymore no, that's fair. because we've seen it so, so so often. But, you know, man, man, if 
if Arkansas played UConn ten times, would they win any? I mean, I, could, I still could. I was just shocked at how much of a blowout that was. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only thing I can think there is Arkansas used a lot of energy and emotion to beat Kansas, whereas UConn has kind of rolled so far. So maybe that. But they had they had five days off, right? Um, so yeah, it was definitely surprising how how bad it was. All righty, we'll do this. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll have our weekly interview with Nick Fontenot. He just keeps getting these crumbs. You know, it's like bad, bad, bad. Oh, here's a nice cookie. That one tasted good. I'm I'm ready for more. We'll see how Nick's point of view or frame of mind is when we come back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. All right, it's our weekly check-in with the roller coaster emotions of our friend Nick Fontenot. How are you, sir? I'm good, Kevin. I'm on my way to the uh, to the Cajun Dome to watch my daughter in the powerlifting. powerlifting. I, I, I figured so. that I figured that was going to be the case. So, do you, are you now absolutely convinced? That the Pels are just playing a game with your emotions each from day to day. I mean, that, that that's what's going on in it. Yeah, so I was fully prepared to come on today and just bash them. And just, I was just going to be negative. And then they had the game they had last night where Brandon Ingram has a triple-double by the third quarter. Everybody played well. They dominated the Hornets. So it's like I can't even, I can't even prepare for our conversation because they always just throw me for a loop at the end. You know, not only did he have, did uh, Brandon have a, what he thirty points, eleven rebounds, 10, 10 assists. Valanciunas had twenty, and McCullum had twenty, and Murphy had nineteen. So it, it's what you want on a nightly basis, or at least most of the time. And you haven't been getting. You got it last night. Now the good thing about this situation, the bad thing is you haven't played well in a long, long time uh, since well before Christmas. But the good thing is. You're in the 10th spot right now, and if you just play well from here on out, you don't really have to pay for the sins of the last three or four months. Right. We So we on the outside look at these games as, oh, well, they just played the Rockets and the Spurs and the Hornets, so of course they're supposed to win those games. But inside the locker room, I'm not so sure they look at it that way. They look at it as, hey, we just won three in a row, and we're on a roll now, and we've figured some things out maybe, and – and, yeah, the competition wasn't that great, and it definitely takes a, a step up in the next few games. But but I think it was an opportunity for everybody to get right, not only those guys you mentioned, but a guy like Najee Marshall, who played well last night and just seemed to really impact the game and that he hadn't been doing that in a while. And, of course, Brandon uh, was, was good. And Trey Murphy's been shooting way more than he had before. So it just seemed like what we needed, him, what we needed to happen in these few games happened where they, they kind of got right, if you will. Now, that first that first loss in the four-game uh, streak to the Rockets was really bad. 
but aside from that, I think they played well in the last three. And who knows? They got the Clippers tomorrow, and you know you got a little momentum going. So yes, yeah, definitely a roller coaster. I think these next three games are going to tell us a lot about where the team is. All right. So here's my. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to all. I'm going to get real positive, even though I've been kind of more with you on the negative deal with them, but of late. But let, let's say they do this. Have you seen any signs that? Because you got the. You got to be able to play defense to win in the postseason. Playoffs are different than the regular season in most cases. So, have you seen any signs defensively that they can defend if they get in the playoffs? A lot of what I saw last night suggests that they can. And what I mean by that is, like guys like Najee Marshall, once he like makes a couple of shots, he really it really carries over to the defensive side. Like he gets going. He's he's more more of an energy-based guy. So if he if he takes, like, his first couple shots and they go in and he sees them go in, he feeds off of that on the other end of the floor and he plays well defensively. And I think we have a lot of guys like that on this team. So while I think, I think it's more of an offense-driven team, I don't think they're really strong defensively. I think when they get that offense going like they did last night, it carries over to the other side of the floor. And the offense has been so, uh, so clumped over the last month or so, I think in these last three games, even though it was against uh, not not so great competition, they got the offense going, and I think it carried over more to the defense side of the ball. So I think I think with this team, offense equates to defense somehow. If they get going offensively, it puts them in the right mindset to play defense. I don't think the defense is going to win them many games, but their offense would win them games, which would carry over to the defense. That's just my take on it. I might be way off there, but that's, that's kind of how I'm seeing it happen. All right. So here, here's what I'm wondering, and, I, and, and it's probably different for different teams. But, like, obviously there are a ton of Pels fans who are extremely frustrated with the whole Zion's injury situation, do you think it weighs on the players, or do you, th- or do you think they're like, you know, I'm a pro, we're just going to go out and play? I mean, do you think they worry about it as much, or not nearly as much as fans and media members do? I don't know if they worry about it, Kevin, but I don't. I also don't know if they're playing up to their potential because they know that he's not coming back, or he's only coming back for a short amount of time. So. They, like Dawson and I talked last week when you were out. Like I, they're just going out there playing basketball right now, and they're not they're not doing anything to maybe win a game they shouldn't win. They'll luck into a win every now and then. They've just played three uh, teams that were lesser competition. They won all three of those games. They they won the game they're supposed to. I don't know if they would do enough to maybe win a game they're not supposed to. I think with Zion in there, not only does he give you a better player on the court, but he's also uh, you know, he also feeds everybody else to to maybe play better, to play up to their potential. So I, I don't know if they're frustrated with it, but I, I do think it's definitely affecting the way that they play. I mean, last night was a last night was one of the best games of the season. So maybe they maybe Brandon Ingram decided, hey, look, Z's not coming back. I got to do this thing, and and he kind of showed that last night. And so if he if he can do have games like that, not triple doubles, obviously, but games where he just kind of takes over and realizes, hey, I'm the best player on this court. I can I can do this for this team. Maybe they maybe they have a chance. But I, I don't think the Zion situation frustrates them like, man, I can't believe Zion's not here. But I think it does affect the way they play. You know, right now, what do you have? Six teams within a game of each other. It really is remarkable what the standings are in the West right now. 
Yeah, it's either it's either the next three games. I think if I'm not mistaken, they play Clippers, Warriors, and I, I don't know who that third game is. But I know it's Clippers and Warriors are the next two. It's going to tell us a lot about where they are. It's either going to be something where you say, okay, they they beat the Clippers and the Warriors, and now they're over 500 and they're they're poised to make a run down the stretch, win a few games, and position themselves to to be safe in the playoffs. Or it's the nail in the coffin, right? It's they lose to the Clippers, they lose to the Warriors, and well, you know, it's just it's over at this point, and and we're just we're fighting for play in. And if that happens, they they more than likely get beat in the first round. So I think these next two games tell us a lot. Hopefully they play they play well. Even if they were to drop one, if they play well, that could that could be good also. But I, they need a, they need to win. They need to beat the Clippers without Paul George. I mean, I know Kawhi's still there, but they got to get that win and then and then hopefully do something against the Warriors. So these next two or three games can really either position us to do something moving forward or just it's just officially over. Yeah, I was going to say you kind of playing the Clippers at the right time because they got to be a little emotionally. You know, they the 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 Paul George injury is relatively uh, new. So what you've got here is the Clippers. Uh, then the Blazers, then the Warriors. Gotcha. So, but but that, but that's still a West Coast swing, though. I mean, that's a that's a fur piece. So we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. All right. So seriously, have you thought about what you're gonna do if you're speaking to someone in person or like on the phone or radio like this, or if you're like hearing a national report? After this next offseason, where these morons are talking about how the Saints are so cash-strapped and they're not going to be able to sign anyone, like, what are you going to say to that person? Next, like, I've been complaining about, like, people have been, like, folks, it's creative accounting. Stop worrying about that. It's nothing. I mean, seriously, what are you going to say to a person who tells you that this next offseason? The thing about Mickey Loomis and Kai Harley and what they're doing with this cap is it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to continue to do what they're doing with the creative accounting and and, and kicking the can down the curb, like people say, or or moving the money to different years. That's difficult. And most teams have a front office guy or a general manager that just doesn't want to put that work in. And I get it. It's easy to reset the cap. It's easy to not try to win now, have a few bad seasons, maybe a three- or four-win season, get the cap right, and then prepare for two or three years down the road. Mickey doesn't do that. He goes in every single year trying to win. That's difficult. And I just think we have a guy who's willing to put the work in. We got fortunate somehow to have Mickey Loomis and now Kai Harley, who's also right next to him doing, doing great things with the way he moves the stuff around. They just want to put the work in. Some people want to put the work in. Some people don't. It's not easy. Not every team does it to this extent. We just have a guy who's figured it out and puts the work in every single offseason. And so, yes, it's kicking it down the curb. It's all those cliches, all those things that you hear. It's all true. But at the end of the day, they're going to be competitive next year. I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs and to do something. And that's all credit to what they do with these contracts and pushing them down and all that stuff. So, yeah, they might be $50 million over the cap next year, but by the end of it, they're going to be where they are now with $18 million in excess and, and able to sign players. So it's hard to do. We just have a guy that's willing to do it. All right, so are you more or less confused – then, like two weeks ago, or what the Saints or what you think the Saints are going to do in the first two rounds? 
oh, I'm way more confused. Yes. Because I, before Jamal Williams was signed, I was like, well, it's running, it's running back or defensive tackle. Even though those players don't really tend to do well in the first round, I was thinking we're at the end of the first round. You could probably find some value there. Well, then they address both of those needs. And so now we're like, well, everything's on the table. I mean, they have, they have a lot of needs, right? Linebacker, offensive line, uh, edge rusher, like a lot of people are saying. And, and your, point last, your point in the last segment was perfect. Like, there's going to be five, eight guys drafted in the first round. Half of them are going to fail. And you just hope that the Saints take one. It's not one of the guys they, they take. But, but, yeah, everything's on the table and way more confused. Like, I literally have no idea what direction they're going to go in. And it's, it's actually a pretty good situation to be in, right, where you can kind of draft – best player available because they, they've addressed so many needs in the offseason, and I don't think they're done addressing those needs. So it, it's a pretty good spot to be in, but no, I have no idea which direction they're going. But, but I mean, what if the, people always say that best player available? What if your best player is available is like a tight end? Well, I mean, that, that's, isn't that a position of need right now? I mean, let's, let's take him. If, if, that's, if the, he's the best player on our board, and, and it's a tight end, let's, let's take him. We, we took a tight end in the first round a few years ago. It was Jimmy Graham. I mean, it could turn out to be that. Like, we, that's, that's the position that we're in. We have a lot of needs, and if we have a board where the best player available is any position, I don't think it's going to be a bad pick. Aside from quarterback, it's not going to be a bad pick if they take anything in that spot. Well, but, what if, it, but if it's a cornerback, they just can't take a cornerback. They just <laughs> And I love cornerbacks, and I want—I mean, I've been obsessed about cornerbacks forever. But I mean, they finally got it where cornerback, at least on the depth chart, is a strength. I just don't think they can do that. But your point's well made. All right, sir. Well, enjoy uh, your daughter's competition, and let's—you know—maybe a week from now, the Pelicans will be swimming. Maybe they're going to have a hammock week. Man, that that would be very nice, Kevin. I would take it for sure. All right, take care. All right, thanks, Kevin. Bye. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. We now head west, talk to our friend, Mr. Tom Hafer. How are you, sir? Outstanding, Kevin. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's start with the weather, since it seems to be the topic of the day. We've got LSU's <laughs> moved their game to noon. Sounds like McNeese has moved, baseball's moved their game to noon. Uh, are we hearing, like, softball is not moving? Is that the thing here? I have not heard anything about softball, and I'm not sure if they can move it. So um, as of right now, I'm supposed to do that game on ESPN Plus tonight. Uh, that may be one of the reasons why they can't move it as well. For that uh, purpose, I'm not really sure. But as of right now, we're just watching the radar, and uh, everybody's playing amateur meteorologists and seeing what happens. So because here and in Mobile, they keep telling me that Sunday's going to be the bad day. So is Saturday going to be the bad day for y'all since y'all are further west? Or you don't, you don't what's the word they're, there? Yeah, they're talking about a front coming through this evening uh, right around game time. and uh, Or or that's when the, the, the worst weather would be, a front coming through at some point this evening. And, uh, and tomorrow's supposed to be nice. And then another round of uh, bad weather possible on Sunday is what we've heard. What we've heard, and 
Um, it changes. It's Louisiana, so yeah. I don't know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so let's get, you know, softball has already started conference play, and, and they got a sweep of incarnate word, and obviously, you know, I, I don't know much about commerce. What, what, what do you think of that? And also, like, what do you – do you have any kind of early indications or who are going to be your top contenders in, in, in the Southland race for the Cowgirls? No, we really don't. I mean, I think you look to the usual suspects in that case, but uh, the Cowgirls got off the – uh, you know, they really took part in Carnet Word last weekend. They won all three games pretty easily. And now with Commerce coming in, they're 5-21. and 21. This is just a great opportunity, and it would be a shame if they aren't able to at least win two. And, uh, and honestly, you, you're, you're thinking about a sweep of these guys. So um, uh, it's an opportunity to get off to a great start in conference, and I hope they're able to do it. And it's also funny, you know, we're talking about the weather and if a game gets canceled against a five and twenty-one team, you're disappointed that you didn't get the opportunity. So, uh, so that we'll we'll see if they, you know, try every possible measure to get the ball game in the season. Or you're glad maybe because it won't hurt your RPI so much. Well, that's true too. That is a possibility. If you don't win the tournament, you're looking for the RPI. You know, and and uh, of course, the Cowgirls played a pretty solid schedule in uh, out of conference and won some good games. So they, they're going to have that going for them. And, uh, you know, their fifth or their, their record is, is, you know, solid at 15 and 10. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a, That's an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah. All right. So around these parts, baseball, softball, there's still a lot of uh, lineup juggling. So, Let's say you get these games in against Commerce, and let's say you beat them handily like, you know, the thought process would, would you would figure. Is there some still uh, kind of position juggling and some experimenting that could be going on there? Yeah, they, the, I think the Cowgirls are settling in more than the Cowboys are in baseball. They still got some stuff going on, um, you know, trying to figure things out, but uh, – I think the Cowgirls are settling in, and, and it's because their lineup's just been so good. I think they've got, is it six or seven? I can't remember. Six or seven Cowgirls that are over 300 uh, in batting. So so they've, they've settled down a bit on that. Um, the rotation, all four pitchers are looking really good. Ashley Vallejo's the, kind of the one that you would, you would have lo- looked at as maybe your ace coming in, and she's had some struggles, but she's also pitched against some really good opponents, so her, her numbers aren't that great. But everybody's – all four pitchers that they've used uh, are looking pretty good. Whitney Tate's been fantastic, and you know, with uh, three or four shutouts. And, and uh, you know, so she's, she's off to a great start. Um, baseball, they're still trying to settle on a few things and maybe getting some more guys, that, especially with the rotation and the, the bullpen. You just can't settle on it early. There's not enough opportunities. And, uh, you know, Tuesday night in a game against Houston, they, they used quite a few pitchers and, and uh, got some good performances and also had some guys that disappointed too. And obviously you're, you're, you're paying a whole lot more attention than I am. But from afar, it seems like McNeese, had, the softball team, has overcome that, that early season drama with the player leaving and all that. I mean, do you feel like they've kind of at least effectively dealt with it? It doesn't seem to have affected their play on the field very much. Yeah, not at all. In fact, like I said, with it, it is six Cowgirls hitting over 300. The lineup has been terrific. 
Um, so, no, I, I, I can't look at it as any problem right now. All right, so baseball lost to Houston. Nothing wrong with that. You're playing Nichols. You're 15-6, and six, opening conference play. Uh, how much do you like their chances of maybe finishing, you know, top two here? Uh, pretty good. They're they're looking good. Grant Rogers, he's he's just been the Friday ace that you want, uh, and, and they've been fine after that. Uh, again, like we talked about, still some bullpen roles that are, are being shuffled around uh, and looked at. They they used some guys Tuesday against Houston, and and uh, a couple of them pitched well. A couple of them didn't pitch well. Um, it, you know, it, it'll settle down as you get to the weekends, as you're going through conference play, and, and wouldn't surprise me if they're they're a lot, uh, you know, a little tighter with the lineups and the and the bullpen usage this weekend. You know, I got to see McNeese play twice. The Cajuns played them in Lake Charles in here, and they see I don't yep. see a lot of holes. I mean, like, what, what's your biggest concern moving forward? Uh, well, the bullpen, you know. You've got good, talented guys, but you just haven't settled on the roles yet. That's my that's my concern. Uh, you, you saw it against uh, Houston a little bit in that, you know, the Cow- the Cowboys had crawled back in. They, they trailed eight to nothing. They had cut it to eight to six, and then uh, oops, gave up a run uh, late that might have been, uh, you know, the, the difference. It didn't turn out to be, but you know, you'd hate to see that happen. Um, and and the Cowboys started and didn't pitch all that well either. Uh, that's a guy they're trying to get back on track. So uh, those roles, you know, do you have four guys in the bullpen that you can rely on each weekend? Not yet. Not yet. That's that's my concern. What about a closer? Has one emerged there? No. <laughs> no, they, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that they have. Yeah. You know? Well, they had the kid who pitched at the end. Looked like he could be the closer, and and, and the cages hit him pretty hard. So I didn't know how yep. he was panning out. Yeah, it's it. Uh, they might have a guy, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not willing to to put my neck out on that. You know. All right. So you, I know that you and I have discussed. You know, you're f- from Southern Illinois, and Walt Frazier. Willis Reed died earlier, and I got a chance to hear some of the interviews around Willis Reed's death, and and you know they're bringing up Frazier and those Knicks teams. So did yep. you hear any of that? I'm sure that brought back some memories. It really did. You know, Willis Reed, and I guess it was seventy or seventy-one. I get confused, but I was seven years old maybe and that was the first nba um you know the big story nba finals that i remember when the knicks won it that year it was such a great story and willis reed was one of my kid childhood heroes you know uh in in basketball (laughs) along with all of the the uh uh, harlem globetrotter guys at the time right (laughs) so those those were my favorite basketball players when i was seven or eight years old so yeah willis reed man he was great, and uh, Louisiana guy, you know, that I came to appreciate again when I moved down here and, and heard all the legends and, and uh, the great play that he had as a uh, high school and collegiate player. It was, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I was young, um, so I don't really have a lot of specific memories of those uh, finals, but when you hear the stories about those Knicks teams, it just sounded like, would have been a fun team to follow back then. I really think so. And, you know, like I said, I didn't really get into it until I watched the finals and Willis Reed, you know, uh, injured coming back and all of that. It was a great story. Helped 
to have that New York media <laughs> behind them to make that legend even better. Right. It was, look, it was a great story, but, but that helped make it even bigger. And, uh, and, yeah, that was a great team with Walt Frazier and Willis Reed and, and all of those. Got the Busher, I think, was on that team, too. Correct. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And Phil Jackson. But a lot of people forget oh, he was. Oh, I did. Oh, oh. Yeah, you reminded me. I've yeah. forgotten it. You're right. Yeah, it was on those teams. All right. Well, it sounds like things are going great as we expected for the Diamond Sports and Lake Charles. Good luck to y'all. Thanks, Kevin. Enjoy talking with you. We'll see you next week. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Got a few minutes. If you would like to react to anything that we've discussed so far or something else, certainly feel free to give us a call, 706-0111. 706-0111. All right. Uh, if you have not gotten word, weather is changing a lot of starting times, especially today. Uh, we were just talking to Mr. Tom from Hafer from Lake Charles, and McNeese Baseball is playing at noon today to open up their three-game series with Nichols. LSU Baseball are also playing at noon today. Uh, don't forget LSU Women's Basketball playing at four today, so a lot of action in the in the actual afternoon time. Cajun Softball has decided to play today's game at 3 o'clock. You know, Cajun Baseball is in Mobile, and they've already canceled the Sunday game because of the forecast, and they're playing a 1 o'clock doubleheader in Mobile tomorrow. Softball, we don't haven't heard that yet. I've heard some talk that maybe they're going to try to cancel Sunday's game and play a Saturday doubleheader, but we have not heard that officially yet, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it, it is interesting, like Tom and I were discussing, Depending on who you're playing, you either really, really, really want to get it in. Or, like if I'm McNeese, I haven't looked up what Texas A&M Commerce's RPI is, but I know when the Cajuns play someone in the Sun Belt over the years that had a really low RPI, you kind of like the idea of the uh, the game get a game or two getting canceled off getting canceled because yeah you might have one fewer win but some wins don't do you some wins hurt you more than they help you depending on you know somebody's rpi is like 300 or 285 or something uh it's not good now the good thing about this season for the cajuns and softball is there are more at least i haven't looked this week but when last time i looked there were more softball teams with RPIs in the top 100 than there were baseball teams. A&M Commerce is 184 in the softball RPI, so honestly not as bad as not I Not good, guessed. but not as bad as yeah. I thought. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They must have played some pretty good 
competition. So yeah, that's a little better than Nichols is one seventy six and they're seventeen and eleven. Commerce five and twenty one and only a handful of spots behind them. That shows you how Sketch. funny strength of schedule yeah. can be. I, 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 absolutely. So we'll see how how that plays out. And it, you know, I mentioned experimenting with McNeese. I asked Tom that, but I mean, you know, I kind of expect to see a little bit of that with the Cajuns if they get all three games in. Um, just because, you know, there's a lot of options. And, you know, the only good thing, well, I guess there's more than one good thing, but one of the good things, I should say, to all this experimenting is if someone does get injured other than, like, if your center, if your center fielder gets injured, you're not happy. But you have Maddie Hayden to put in center field. I mean, she's really good, too, as well. Uh, and so the good thing about it is if you do get injuries, kind of like the baseball team's going through a little bit right now with some guys nicked up, then there's no panic mode. It's kind of the opposite of what I of one of my little things that I say all the time in football. The, the good thing is if you don't have a good quarterback, there is one good thing about having a, a mediocre to bad quarterback. If he gets hurt, you don't panic because you're not, there's not, you don't lose that much talent there. It's like – it's not. It's not a humongous loss. Yeah, App State's RPI is ninetieth. To get back to UL softball, and yeah. I feel like there's just been kind of this. Oh, it's App State. It's going to be a th- you know a three game you know dominate dominant series. And we go- I just don't think we know enough about this team to be confident no, one way or the we, other. We don't know anything about this team other than the fact right. they're zero one. And yeah, they played one conference, so. <laughs> it, they could come out and give the Cajuns a real run here, and I think that's something that we we hope. You know, Coach Glasgow's teams, as much as sometimes they struggle in some of these games, they usually win them, right, because they haven't lost a series in 10 years, so they don't lose these series. But they do seem to play poorly at times, uh, or especially early on, and we saw I it at Southern I beat them last Miss. year. Right, so I just think maybe, like, uh, you know, hopefully they come out a little more focused than – and it's always weird when you have, like, these weird series like this where the weather's weird – I don't know what time App State got here, but they're in a you know a travel mode and then moving the game up. You never know who's going to come out really locked in and who's not. So these games, you could see something weird happen today. Is my point. Hopefully it doesn't. No, go that I, way for the I, hopefully that doesn't happen. App arrived yesterday. I think they practiced on the at, on the field about six or six thirty, something like that last night. So, um, so that part's okay. But no, like. When we talked to Coach Glasgow Wednesday, he reminded me of the fact that they got beat last year up there. So it can happen. Now, again, that was a circumstance thing, too. They were That was the first game of a weekend series at the end of a long where they had gone to St. Louis. And, I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, you know, they made this voyage all the way up there. Uh, crazy spring break schedule. And so, you know, that, that, that played into it here. Here, they're finally at home, so they should be – more rested and refreshed than they've been all season long. Uh, But again, I still think there's something that we have to continue to remind ourselves about this softball team, at least until it happens, and hopefully it doesn't, is with all the young players and with all the ups and downs and with all the, well, they're, they're off to a slow start and this pitcher's up and down and not throwing strikes and all that, they still don't have a bad loss. I mean, it I, kind of surprises me almost that be, when you play the schedule they have, that when you play someone who's lesser, 
uh, you would think maybe you would not be quite as focused. And I'm not saying they didn't have games where they were not quite as focused, especially that Mercer Sunday morning game in Florida that we've laughed and joked and, and discussed, but still won the game. And so you got to give this group for as young and as up and down and, you know, it's hard to figure out what you're going to get next kind of uh, scenarios you have with this team. They've, they've beaten everybody they were supposed to beat. And, again, I know people say, well, they should have beat Michigan. Yeah, they very easily could have should have won that game. But Michigan's RPI, last I looked, was like 21. I mean, it's not a bad loss. It's Michigan. So one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 706-0111-337-706-0111. This first segment again, and the last segment of this hour, the two times that you could get in. Uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, weather updating. Uh, if you have not heard, as Dawson just told you, top of the hour break, LSU baseball is playing at noon today. McNeese baseball playing at noon today. Cajun softball moved to 3 p.m. today, and we have LSU women on the uh, LSU women's basketball in the Sweet 16 against Utah at 4 p.m. So lots of early uh, action going on. Waiting to see UL baseball tomorrow. Uh, in Mobile is playing a one o'clock doubleheader. We're waiting to see if Cajun softball may be doing something similar to that, uh, but no word on that yet. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Kevin, you know, y'all were talking about the Knicks back in uh, the seventy when they won the championship. Kevin, do you ever you saw that thirty for thirty about the Knicks back then and their their little two year run they had in sixty nine and seventy? I, I I've seen some of it and I, I really want I I was thinking about that again this weekend. I need to go back and watch the whole thing. I I've never seen the whole thing. I, I really enjoy that. Boy, that was good. You know, forget about the story about Bill Bradley. You know, Bill Bradley was a hot shot uh, uh, college player. I forget who he played for. You know, Princeton. The national ch- who? Princeton. Princeton, yes, and he was like the best player in college basketball. And they, they, I think the year before he came there, they lost. And then, and then when he came there, they were they paid him more money than anybody else on the team, and it caused a lot of rifts. But you know, at the beginning, they, and he wasn't doing. He, he didn't play good at the beginning. Then finally, towards the end of the, the season, he started. They started putting him in, and the Busher and all them, and they, uh, you know, they won. You know, like they say, the rest is history. Yeah, he's told the story. Back then, they had Constellation games, and they made it to the Final Four, and they in the Constellation game, they lost. And so they were playing for a third place uh, in the Constellation game, and he was known as a guy, you know, who played fundamental basketball, passed it. And in that game, they're like, okay, look, stop all this passing. It's a Constellation game. We lost. Just shoot. And he scored 58 points. 
<laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, back then, back then, you know, that's when I started to become a fan. The Bucks were good. They had Alcindor. They had the big old. You know, you had the uh, Baltimore Bullets with Wes Unsell. Uh, 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 I forget uh, Elvin Hayes on that team. Look, and you know, you had the Celtic. Well, I hated Dave Collins, Havlicek. Uh, Don Nelson. I mean, look. Oh, I mean, those yeah. were some ugly people. Basketball back then. Yeah, ugly people. Yeah, very ugly. And yeah. Kevin, uh, before I let you go, uh, seven o'clock tonight on ESPN. The logo girl is playing, buddy. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. <laughs> so, I guess that's the second game K- uh, LSU plays at four. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. You know, I wouldn't. I, I guess it's not it's not theoretically impossible anymore because the Cajun softball will be there at three o'clock this afternoon. Might 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 be over. Might be might be able to cast an eye on that a little bit. But the man the man's on a crusade to get me watch Iowa women's basketball. Crusade he's on. Yeah, he better hope they keep winning because. You know, that's the only way you're going to have a chance is if they keep winning. Now, I guess maybe tonight. Maybe you'll get your chance tonight. Yeah, so. maybe, 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 maybe tonight. All right. I saw something yesterday. Look, it, you know, again, it's sports. It's 2023. I know everybody, everything's different. But this is – and, look, I don't even like this team. But can you imagine if Ezekiel Elliott signs with the Eagles – like, they're talking about supposedly one of the three teams is the Eagles. The other one's like the Jets, and I don't know why I'm not remembering the third one. But anyway, the Eagles, like, I mean, what a slap in the face. And I'm sure he's not happy with the Cowboys, but, I mean, what 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 did he want the Cowboys to do? I mean, like, they gave him all this money. And he didn't really perform. I mean, he, it's, you know, he has, you know, some people don't think he has any tread left on the tire. So it's not like he didn't give him a lot of effort. He certainly gave him that. But he wasn't, like, spectacular. He's a running back, and they get worn down quickly, especially when you run them like the Cowboys ran them. And, and so it's not like he didn't give them carries. He gave them a ton. But, to, man, the code, that would be bad. Look, again, I don't like the Eagles, and I don't like the Cowboys. But just something about – when I read that, I was like, oh, the Eagles? That would – that would I can't even imagine. I, that would be – that would be hard for me to watch. That that that's brutal stuff. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey Kevin. Hello. Uh, did you make sure your wife's ready? She's about to get the full Sean Payton experience. Now you gotta take the good and the bad, right? Well, she she's not like she's not totally sold on 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 him as the coach, but I keep telling her like it, it, you, it's gonna get better. So. Um, you know, again, the biggest did, problem did with you, him is the biggest problem with him is his he has goofy game management and temperamental game management sometimes. Well, I, I was just wondering if you read on the the latest transaction wire that they picked up Tony Jones. That's funny so you like, said that. I they did I, that was texted to me yesterday. They got Tony Jones. Okay. So think about that. So we had Murray. 
And we didn't want Murray, a downhill runner like Murray. We wanted Tony Jones. So fast forward to now, he's in Denver. Now he's got Murray and Tony Jones. Well, I think I don't, uh, someone's telling me that they don't know if uh, Murray's going back. So he's going to ditch Murray so again? So he's going to ditch Murray again for Tony Jones. <laughs> oh, boy. Which makes sense because now, 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 because they did sign uh, Pirine from the Bengals, right. oh, yeah. and Williams is going to be back. Although there's some talk that Williams may not even be ready for the start of the season. And man, that guy yeah. is good. Oh yeah, but uh, I think Samaji Pirine can hold it down for a little while until he, you know, until uh, Javante Williams gets ready. But it's just funny, like hearing that when I hear that the Broncos signed Tony Jones, Tony and then, Jones. like, a couple weeks ago, they signed Lil' Jordan Humphrey. I'm like, yeah, y'all about to get the full Sean Payton experience. So, well, again, just, I mean, I mean, you know, they may not even make the team, so it, it yeah, won't matter. But <laughs> I know, man. But it, it's, I don't know. I just find it not hysterical, but humorous, I guess, because, like, we were struggling to find wide receivers. We went through, you know, Tommy Lee Lewis and little Jordan Humphrey. And, you know, now the Broncos are going to find, you know, not find out, but like kind of get a feel for, you know, he, he, I don't know. He likes his players or whatever, but you know, whatever. I just, all I right. got a little humor. A little yes. Chuckle. Oh right, yes, Kevin, definitely. I, I'm glad you brought up Tony Jones. Cause I, I did uh, Tony Jones. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, we'll, I'm sure I'll see a few Bronco preseason games. I normally do each year, so we'll see how, how that plays out. But, again, the thing that I think the Broncos need is that he, that he's going to bring is I guarantee you since day one it's been about the Chiefs, and, and he is into division rivalries like big time. And it's all going to be about beating the Chiefs, beating the Chiefs. And, I mean, they probably have Chiefs toilet paper in there. I mean, it would not surprise me. Like, they are he's, – he's really petty when it comes to the whole division rivalry and owning your division. And I, I think the Broncos need that. I mean, they hadn't beat the Chiefs in forever. Like, they've been struggling with the Raiders, too. I mean, like, he's going he's gonna to bring a, rival, a division rivalry competitiveness to Denver that they haven't had in a long time, and they've been needing for a long time. So I think that that's the good part about it for the Broncos to me, uh, how Casper's doing. But, yeah, there's no question. A lot, lot of familiar names uh, for someone like me who's a lifelong Saints fan who married into a Bronco family, and, and so – uh, you know, for me, I'm going to know a lot more of their backup players than they're going to know because so many of them are going to be ex-Saints, so we'll see how all that plays out. But uh, but no, man. It's, it, and that's what's so, like, brutal. Like, in the NFC South, this offseason, that's all we got is a bunch of Saints going to, like, I, I you know, Gus didn't bother me because I didn't want to sign Gus for $12 million a year. But Kane Ellis was like, oh, yeah, that's where I wanted to go to Falcons. What? Like, you're from Asia. What do you care about the Falcons for? Like, I, I just, that whole, oh, I want to go play for the division rival thing. I just got the, a whole league full of teams that would want you. What you got to go play for them for? Like, used to be fat. I mean, he could have gone play. He had to go to the Cardinals. I don't care if you go leave, and I don't care if you even make money, but don't go to the biggest. I mean, that's just 
It just cheapens the whole thing to me. I just hate it. Well, that's always that's that's been brought up with, especially in baseball, right? With that Yankees Red Sox rivalry, you've heard people's comments. You know, some people, and they look at it as business decisions, and I understand that. But there's been some people who have been like really entrenched in that rivalry that have sat there and said. I could have never played for the Yankees after playing for the Red Sox, or I could have never played for the Red Sox after being a Yankee. But like, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, and, and there's been guys who have done it, and it's like... Scumbags. <laughs> That's what it is. Wade Boggs is a scumbag. Roger Clemens, By a Babe complete Ruth. jerk. Like I guess Babe the, Ruth was traded, the and they did, weren't even really that say, big the of a rivalry. I was going to say, hadn't really taken off yeah, in the, that, that, uh, that, in that, the early that count. teens and 20s. Mike Stanley. I mean, you you just can't, like, you cannot, uh, that's one of the things that just drives me to crazy to worse. Like, you can't constantly tell me that the whole sport is about the Yankees-Red Sox, Yankees-Red that's all they care about. Like, that's all they talk about. That's all they care about. Yankees-Red Sox. And then you got these bozos that play for the other. You can't do that. Cannot have both. It's either a phony rivalry or those people are scumbags and they should be given the equivalent, not really, but burned it to baseball stake. I mean, you just cannot do that. That is the worst. Wade Boggs. I never liked that guy. And I real I didn't even respect him once he went to the you cannot do that. It just it's just a sign of I and again, I'm not saying you have to stay there forever. If you're a free agent and you want to go play, I don't care where else you go. You can go anywhere else. But you play for the Red Sox, you cannot play for the Yankees or vice versa. Period. Or you're a scumbag. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. We have a special guest, UL Offensive Coordinator and Recruiting Coordinator, Mr. Tim Leger. How are you, sir? Good foot. How we doing, man? Well, we got baseball about to start. We still got basketball going on, softball. It's crazy time of the year. Yeah, we got a little bit of everything going on, which ain't, it ain't never bad. Get to go out to the Teague, watch baseball, and catch some softball Sunday. And then we're in the middle of spring football, so it's a good time around here. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to it. I have have you thrown a pass like and no, what is your shoulder absolutely like absolutely not absolutely not i'm not doing it <laughs> i'm not doing it but I'm i mean how difficult is practice been or is it not as bad as it, it, it would it seems from the outside with your lack of quarterbacks available yeah you know it's just it just it just the way the way thing kind of kind of fell out you know, Coach uh, Coach Nape's philosophy was you never could have too many of those guys on scholarship, which is hard to have enough reps in practice. And and really, when you're managing the roster, you really want about four on scholarship is what you really want. 
And obviously last year we had six. We moved Lance to wide receiver and gave us five, and then we lost two in the portal, right, which those guys, you know, did the right thing for their career to move on. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Ben's hurt, and so he's, you know, he's got to where he can throw individual routes now, but that's about it. And then, and then Chandler, the night before we start spring, you know, ruptures his appendix and, and has to have surgery. So it's just, just bad timing, you know, kind of a little bit of bad luck, but it's been good. We've got, we've got some guys that play other positions that can really throw that maybe even play quarterback in high school that gets us through individual routes. And then all the group stuff, hell, man, I mean, it's been great for Zeon. He gets them all, you know, so um, all the team reps, all the group reps, um, you know, the, the thing we've had to watch is his, his, you know, kind of work management, I guess, but he's, he's, He's such a freak athlete, man. He does, he handles it, and and he's been good. He's been good. So it's actually been a blessing. He took more reps in two days than Ben and Chandler did last year in five days. Yeah, so no, I believe it. Yeah. So for him, it's exactly what he needs, right? So it's been good. All right. So you've had uh, the the wide receiver coach part of your job has been. S- Really, if you go back the last four or five years, it's fascinating how many different scenarios you've had to deal with and try to make right. the best of. And yet this year might be the most intriguing to me because you you know, you 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 lost the guys in the portal and then you've got this incredible athlete that you're just trying to figure out how to totally utilize right. and lance, and then you're gonna be depending on young guys with Jefferson and, and guys going. So talk about right. that. Yeah, no, it's actually it's it's been exciting. Um, obviously, we're really excited for for MJ and both John. Those guys have done really good in their pro day build up. Um, you know, I'm hearing everywhere from the third to fifth round for Michael, and um, you know, late round and priority free agents for Big John. So, I'm excited for those guys and the development they got in the couple years they were here with us and and put themselves in position to be a pro. Um, and then. You know, the guys in the portal, you know, that's part of college football now. And when there's not guaranteed reps and snaps and touches, um, you know, guys are going to want to move on for a better opportunity. Um, And, you know, it is what it is. Um, So, you know, those guys have been productive backups for us here for a couple years, and and we hate to lose them, but it's just the nature of the business now. So um, I'm excited about Lance. Lance is is, – obviously freakishly talented this has been a little bit of a work in progress it's obviously very different for him um last year at the end of the year you know it was more instincts and feel and just trying to go with it now he's trying to really kind of hone in on the precision of the position the skill development uh, route depth footwork all the things that go with it uh jacob bernard is having an unbelievable spring um and and he looks like I mean, he looks like an NFL player. He really does. And, in fact, some of the guys that have come through here for MJ have commented on him. He's he's had a great spring. He's going to put himself in position to have a great year. Obviously, Pete is Pete, you know, so you get the same thing every day, 6'2", 200 pounds, and just consistent. So we're excited about him. And then, you know, A.J. J. Rose here, early enrollee, Charles Robinson. Um, you know, we moved him to Z behind Pete. He's doing really, really well there. We've got Jaden Johnson from Thurgood Marshall uh, that redshirted for us last year. Um, you know, in the kind of build of, of uh, Jalen Williams uh, with a little more body twitch. You know, six two, two hundred and twenty pounds probably. 
big and physical. And then Rob Williams might be the toughest cover we have out here right now. Um, he's just a handful in one on one. So I'm excited about the room. It's it's gonna you know it's gonna be a little bit of a work in progress. Um, and then we're gonna add a couple more guys this summer that I'm really really excited about, and we'll throw them in the mix and see what happens. How close is Charles Robertson to, to like getting on the field and getting meaningful minutes, or is he still a ways away? No, no, he's he's uh, Charles played at Zachary, so he, you know he had a, comes from a good program, high expectations, understands the workload, uh, really really smart, really really tough. Um, he'll be right in the middle of it. He'll be right in the middle of it, um, and he is a big, long, physical version of maybe the guys that got out of here, you know, so I'm excited about Charles, man. He's, he's over six foot. He's a, almost 190 pounds. He's, he's tough as heck. Um, and he can really run. So we're excited about him and he'll be right in the middle of it. He'll contribute on special teams and, and he'll be a valuable player for us on the offensive side as well. All right. So, you know, I'm not in practice and I, and obviously, you know, way more about your personnel than I do, but I'm a little concerned, not a lot about the running back situation. Like, you know, uh, you know, Draylon, I've heard good things about him and I, I think he's the most talented back you got. And so that's a good right. thing about Draylon right. Washington's progress, but Kendrell's not really ready. It doesn't sound like, and no. what, 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 are, are you at all concerned about the numbers and the depth at running back? No, I, th- I think in the end of the day, we'll be fine. Um, you know, we really are excited about Zylan Perry, right? We think he's a version of Chris Smith uh, with a little more downhill to him. You know, uh, Chris at times wanted to play a little sideways because of his speed, right? Um, Zylan's got the same kind of functional movement, but he's a little more downhill. So we're excited about him. Drake probably had the best camp of any camp that – that we've had since he's been here both spring or fall. So he's been really productive. Uh, Terrence Williams, I mean, we know what he is, right? And and he's been consistent and dependable and tough like he always is. Uh, Jacob Cabote's had a good spring. You know, obviously we're still, you know, we're still missing Kendrell, man. We would love to have Kendrell 100% and healthy, but that knee, you know, was blown up pretty good, and it's just taking a little, little bit longer to rehab and recover than maybe we wanted. Um so he's out there in a the black jersey, the knee brace, but he's just kind of a shell of himself right now. And every day is progress, but he's a ways away, um, unfortunately. And so we're hoping he can turn the corner this summer and, and get him back in the fold. And, and you know, truth be told, we got to play a little bit better there than we did last year. And so uh, we're looking for those guys to to step up. And, we you know, we signed Bill Davis um, and, you know, a big back that's 10, 700 meters, and, and hopefully we can get him in the fold and, and figure this thing out. And, you know, somebody needs to kind of separate themselves from the pack. So far, uh, all these guys are having a good camp, but we really are excited about what Dre's done up to this point, and we'll see if it keeps trending in that direction. All right, so you and probably – Coach Mike is tired of hearing about me and a couple others talk about the tight end position. But I've been waiting for Neil Johnson to have this breakout season, and we're running out of time. And I've heard really good things about Terrence Carter. So am I fooling myself, or should we just drop this subject? No, these two guys, man, um, these two guys are really skilled route runners. They're matchup problems. They're strong. Um, Terrence Quarter is going to remind you of Neil when you watch him run around and catch balls and do those things. Um, 
maybe even with a little more short air quickness. But one thing Terrence is now, Terrence is, uh, you know, nil plate quarterback. Terrence has always played tight end slash wide receiver. So Terrence is used to kind of sticking his face in there and mixing it up in the block game. And um, he's physical, he's tough, and they're they're sometimes when you're watching film, you can't figure out which one it is who's running the route when it's a wide camera shot because they move very, very similar. So those two guys are real guys. And, um, you know, until until somebody in this wide receiver room steps up and separates themselves and somebody at running back really steps up and separates themselves, um, we're going to we're gonna try to feature those guys because they, they, they're unique players, both of them. And you were a quarterback. I mean – I just think completing a pass to a tight end, especially really good ones, is easier. Am I wrong there? No, no. There's there's some comfort level there, and and you know most of these routes are are designed. Um, you know, there's layers to everything, and there's movement keys, and people match a route. You got to throw it somewhere else. So, you know, although the ball doesn't end up there all the time, um, you know, it's um, it's comforting to know that. I can throw the ball down to this guy at six yards, and he's a good enough athlete to turn it into a 12, 15, 18-yard game. Uh, it's also comforting to know, listen, if they roll the coverage over here and they're going to play one-on-one on this guy with a safety or a linebacker, that is a matchup problem, and you can generate an explosive play back over there. So, you know, um, I will tell you this. They both caught, caught a lot of balls this spring. They both caught a lot of balls this spring, and, and – uh they're both coming over and doing wide receiver DB one on ones with us, um, and we're we're going to try to use their skill set, man. They're they're good players, and and you know last year we played fifty percent of the game with two tight ends in the game. Now these two cats will be different, right? You know Johnny was a dang like an extra offensive lineman, right. six six two seventy. These two cats are route runners, and it's unique because you can be in twelve personnel, have two tight ends on the field. But if you break the formation and move it around, you're really in four wides, essentially, right? So right. Uh, somebody with that would want to match big people with big people and run out more linebackers and D-linemen, there's going to be a problem. There, there'll be a problem with those two guys. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, and um, we're certainly going to try to use them. All righty, sir. I'll let get you go to the next meeting here. We appreciate your time. Always enjoy talking to you. Good luck to you all. Appreciate it, Kevin. We're right in the middle of our coaches' clinic, man. So we got a building full of high school coaches from the Cadiana area and, and around the state. Um, so if anybody out there is listening that that's not registered, not not going here, we're going to be going all day here today, all day tomorrow with practice involved, and then uh, hell, we're going to give away crawfish tomorrow night. So that's never a bad thing, right? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right. Yep. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, it's been way too long, and I figured it was time to uh, get back and have a conversation with our old friend, Mr. Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. doing well. I figured you were dodging me for some reason. I don't know. No, it's just busy. Like, it's just, 
I get like sometimes like my wife gets mad at me. Why? Why you forgot this or why you forgot that? I'm like, when I, in a busy mode, I kind of like just it's kind of probably like a coach, you know, during camp or something. You just put your head down and you just go. And some things on the periphery just don't quite happen like they should. You know, I it's a focus issue. <laughs> I chuckle because you make it all seem like it's uh, just a lot of drama for you and all that stuff. And I, I hear you talk uh, about your game management stuff, and it just sounds like life management to me. And, and <laughs> seems like little things just kind of go left unchecked. Yes. That's just me thinking about you. No, that that, that 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 is true. All right, so I just got <laughs> off the phone with Tim Leche, and I'm like, Coach, don't play with my emotions. Don't tease me. Should I forget about this tight end thing, or is the Neil Johnson, Terrence Carter thing really going to happen and he told me it's it, he basically he didn't say those words it's going to happen but his explanation told me it's going to happen so do, should I buy should I believe him like could it really happen this season that the Cajuns go to the tight end yes on, on a on a <laughs> on a much more prominent basis well I mean you would think that they would have because you know they had Johnny Lumpkin for a while who wasn't bad you know, and it kind of goes all the way back to uh, cases have had tight ends there. And I mean, you, you you remember Calvin James? You know, that was a pretty good player back in the day. You know, and I'm sure that there were probably some before him. But no, I I think that the the tight end can be a, a quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback's best friend. We saw Jake Delhomme his freshman year. Kevin, if you remember, uh, having Buck Monk on Ryan McGrath made for a lot of comfort for him. Yes. And, and you know, having a guy like, like uh, Zion Chris to be able to have those guys there. Uh, and, look, they're athletic, and they can make plays once they get the ball. I I say yes, but it's coming from, you know, Coach Desmo is your offense coordinator. He coached those guys, too, as a position coach. Coach Munoz is your assistant head coach. He's the tight end coach. You would think they'd have some say-so in the play calling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, think, and, you know? and, again, it's not that the tight end position is not important. and Because, like, they, the Cajuns play – you know, you taught me this years ago. I'm going to sound like a coach here. I'm not 12 personnel a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because, but a lot of it's about blocking and all of that. I, I'm talking about making them prominent um, members of the receiving core, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens. Well, and, and you do that when you have guys who can make plays. I mean, you see it down in the red zone. You see Johnny Lumpkin making plays in the red zone because it's just a physical mismatch. Uh, you see a lot of people, and, and look, I think back to the Appalachian State and the Coastal Carolinas and stuff. You know, when, when Coastal had the big tight end, uh, likely, I think is his name. And right. then he was a really good player, and they got it to him. You see South Alabama getting the tight end involved in the red zone with it. They, they might only have 20 or 25 catches, but they'd have nine or 10 touchdowns, you know, because of the mismatch in there being able to run the little okie doke route where they act like they're bending out, then you lean back in, you throw the ball to the middle of the goalpost, and they're, they're bigger, so they catch it there. Uh, but, but no, you, you got players and playmakers there. I'm talking about in the pass game. And so, yeah, if they don't, uh, they'd be in the Cajun offense, and I don't want to say shame on them, but you know what? Shame on them. <laughs> All right. So I want to get, you know, the Saints lately has just been, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, I, I don't even know where to go. But one of the things that I've heard that I don't know if I totally believe yet, but it's it's something that uh, it, 
you know, it's, it's kind of on my mind right now is there's there was some been some stories put out that it's possible the Saints hired a new defensive line coach, and it's possible that they're going to be get away a little bit from their old. You know, the Saints have always had what we call men on the defensive line, like Cam Jordan, big guys at defensive end. I'm talking about pass rushing mm-hmm. defensive end. You know, Davenport was huge, and 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 that they they they've hired a defensive line coach now in Grantham that believes more in the smaller and has coached more of the smaller, quicker uh, edge rushers. So I'm wondering, like, did, did, if that's really going to happen and that really could impact what they do in the first and second round. So he's a guy that, Kev, he, he believes in twitch more than bully. And, and when I say that, I mean, he, he, he'll concede 20, 25, 30 pounds uh, that, that, you know, just to get a little more quickness in there and a little more explosiveness in there. I was talking to a guy in Houston this past week. And he was, we were talking about some combine stuff. And he didn't understand. He said, well, I don't even know why they, they broad jump and why they, they, they vertical, get a vertical. I said, well, because you're trying to determine twitch, just body explosiveness. And, and you hear people, they, they call ball get off, BGO and stuff, and just the, the burst of acceleration. Grantham is, is a guy that believes in that. He was a friend of Ricky Bustle. I went actually went and spent a couple of days with him up when he was coaching with the Cowboys when I first got hired back at UL and was going to coach the defensive line and spent a long time with him just scheme-wise. And, and he, he actually talked us into standing up our fourth defensive lineman and it, making it look like a 3-4 when it was really still just a 4-3. But, but anyway, with him – his deal is, again, like I said, he'll concede a little bit of mass. Now, some people don't believe in it. And so, you know, they say, I'd rather have a big bully, you know, the, the, the 280 to 285 guy, the big guy that'll just mash you, figuring if I can't get around you, I'll go right through your juggler. And it's just a philosophical change. But that doesn't happen overnight either, because still the Saints are built on big. Kevin, you know that. You like Gus. I didn't like Gus. You like Gus. Gus was a big dude, though. You know, and and just they're just big people across there that can be you can move them in and out. You know, Cam Jordan can play inside and and and, and pass situations and still be a problem, or he can go outside and run situations, or he can still play outside and pass situations too because he's just that mass of a body in there. Whereas you get a guy that's two sixty, you put him inside, he's going to get eaten. I mean, just well, I don't care how much twist you got, you're going to get swallowed. Uh, but but some of that is just it's, it's it's philosophical. I don't think it changes overnight, but I think that in the draft you can try. You may he may be able to get on the table for a guy, and you know what I mean by that. Yeah, I mean, right, right. Somebody that he, but he may be able to jump up on the table, and then, you know if a guy sits in there and says, "Look, this is the kind of guy that's going to get six, seven sacks. He can change a game on third down and that kind of stuff." And and if he believes that, you know, he comes with a resume to be able to validate his points in there. And, and look, it may be some, for some nice draft day conversation. And But you got to have defensive tackles that can stop the run then. Or you're in oh, trouble, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, because you're playing pass first with those guys. Yeah. You're not drafting them. I, I, got, I was telling the same story. That, uh, well, the guy who was a D-line coach got mad at me uh, at, at a pro day because he was in there and he was talking about pass uh, secondary schemes with Hall Davis. And I looked at him, I said, well, wait a minute. The guy's 6'6", six, six, weighs 285 pounds, and you're talking about where he's got a drop? I said, dude, they ought to fire you. 
<laughs> and he was look. I'll tell you, it is. It's Bill Johnson. Yeah, who's now with with the Houston Tech or Houston Roughnecks, but was with the Saints at the time. Yeah. and I know Bill. I like Bill. I like the heck out. What are you talking about, Big G? Fire me, you know. I said, "Well, dude, he ain't gonna drop." Look at him. I said, "I had the same problem with Fuqua. We're going to zone blitz and drop Hall." I said, and "Ricky's going to fire both of us." <laughs> Stupid, you know. That's it. But then again, I've heard a guy talk about you know. I want to get a a, a, a a fullback that can do this and do that. And I want a fullback that's a guard wearing an eligible number. That's you know, you know, I hate admitting you're right, and you ended up being right on Gus, and it just makes me <laughs> sick. I just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Baseball season is six days away. Are you ready at all? No, I tell you what. Did you watch the World Baseball? Oh, I Classic? did. I, I as much as I could. I didn't see as much as I would like. I thought it was good. No, it really was, and and. Before it, I didn't know, you know. So I'm, I'm kind of flipping channels. You know me; I don't sleep a lot. But, but that you could watch that and do the excitement of that and the tournament and the NCAA tournament at the same time and everything. And uh, no, I yeah, I'm ready for baseball because of that. You know, because of that, it really got me. Because I would say no before, but no, that that was exciting. That was fun to watch, and it was competitive. It was exciting, and. uh yeah, I'm ready. You know, I, I made the comment off the air to Dawson. I said, I, th- I don't know why, but I feel like I'm more ready for the baseball season to start than normal. And he said exactly what you just said. It's because of the World Baseball Classic. I said, yeah, you might be right. That might be it. Yeah, I mean, it, it brought it. it's way beyond spring training because, you know, you think of it as an exhibition. Look, that, that, you call it what you want, that was competitive now. Oh, yeah, they were getting <laughs> after it, yes. That was competitive. That wasn't, a, you know, we talk about spring ball being spring ball. What do you get out of spring ball and all that kind of stuff? Well, you, I tell you what, there were some competitive juices flowing in that thing. I, 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 I agree with Dawson. I think that was fun. All right, sir. Uh, hopefully it won't be too long before we talk again. Thank you for your time, and um, I, I appreciate you not gloating about Gus too much. No, it'd be all right. And you know me. I'm used to disappointment. It, it doesn't bother me. I was just worried about you and, and, and my little buddy, Steve. I know y'all had your fantasy draft last, last week, and then yeah. – you know, y'all with your your good um, the way you take care of your body. And the stuff cat like that, drafted Robin Yout. He hadn't played in thirty years. <laughs> he drafted Robin Yout. <laughs> Please help him. I'm gonna text him. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Bye. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We've had lots of fun today talking to Gerald and Coach Leger and Tom and and Nick and uh, cover quite a few different things. Again, if you have not heard, 
LSU baseball plays at noon today. LSU women's basketball at four today. Cajun softball plays at three today. McNeese baseball is scheduled for noon today. So quite a few games being moved up. Cajun baseball is scheduled for 3.30 in Mobile. Uh, apparently the weather's going to get to Mobile, or at least the perception is that the weather's going to get to Mobile really bad on Sunday. So they moved it up, canceled Sunday's games already, and, and scheduled a 1 p.m. doubleheader. We'll see. I may, you know, maybe come Monday morning we say, "Boy, I don't know what you were worried about South Alabama for because the Cajuns crushed them." I hope that's the case. We'll see. But um, when you look at South Alabama's numbers, you see what the problem is. I mean, their ERA is five eighty eight. Like what? And they're not. They're not hitting the ball. They're not defending like they normally do. They're not pitching like they normally do. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, that's the thing. If they're really struggling that bad, which I still uh, I struggle with believing that, then you want to get all three of those games in if they really are struggling that bad because you don't want to lose them. Now, their RPI, that's true, though, is not that great. Like last year, in my, I mean, their RPI was around 60, I think. I mean, it's like well over 100 right now. South Alabama. It's just bizarre seeing them <clears throat> struggle. That the bad. other advantage of playing them this weekend while they're not playing well and maybe winning that series or getting a sweep is that if they get better as we think they will, we know they're talented, then maybe that's going to end up not being as bad an RPI game down the stretch, and you'll have already beat them when they were playing poorly. So that could also work to your advantage. That that's a that that's definitely a, a good point. So I. Again, I, there's a there's so many storylines with baseball to follow. But like, what if Max Morshock just has another bad weekend? Like, man, you know, you would think eventually it's going to happen. Hopefully, it starts this weekend. It'd be nice um, if it would start this weekend. And wouldn't if Ben Robichaux keeps hitting, it'll be unbelievable. And um, I think. I don't know. He hit Carson Rockefeller in the two-hole in one of the midweek games. I think it was Wednesday's game against Southeastern. I think I like that. I don't, I don't know. I, I thought that was a little strange. I I don't know. I, I'm still a big believer. I know there's a, a softball thought for years that you hit your best hitter in the two-hole. I still think in baseball you hit your best hitter in a three-hole, but I thought that was intriguing. I don't know that I hate it as much as my first reaction was. We've seen it in the majors more recently, though, and in, and in high college baseball, playing your hitting your best hitter in the two-hole. I still, yeah, I don't. Like, the logic there is I guess they get a handful more at-bats per year, but I still like the idea of my leadoff, you know, potentially having a couple of guys on when they come up in the first inning. Well, the other thing is this team runs a lot. And Carson's a left-handed hitter, and Kyle is a right-handed hitter. So there's there's a little bit to the hole opening up uh, as much as they run, and, and you have to hold them on. So maybe that plays a little bit into it in the Cajun situation as opposed to other teams. But no, I look, I am, I you know, I just love baseball, and I love all the conversations around it, and we've certainly been getting it for a while now. 
um, with Coach Deggs in the baseball team and LSU. And, and, of course, LSU, there hadn't been a whole lot of strategy discussed because just about every game they play is a blowout. But uh, that's, you know, those days are not going to be nearly as plentiful from here on out now that they're in SEC play. So we'll actually be able to talk baseball. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, with the schedule LSU's played and all the blowout games, not a whole lot of baseball talk to be made. But it's really going to get here come um, – uh, major start a major league season on Thursday. By the way, uh, El Perro Grande, for those of you who don't know who that is, Jordan Alvarez played in his first spring training game. He was having issues with his hands, felt like his swings was good. It was good. So it'd be, and they're saying Icky, if you don't know who Icky is, that's Kyle Tucker. They're saying Icky is going to be available for opening day, which is good. And so if they have, you know, if you're just playing without Brantley and Altuve, then, you know, you'll still have a pretty good lineup out there. Because I saw a highlight package this morning, just flipping through the channels before I came, of Jose Abreu. Man, I just hope he's not washed up. Like, I don't think he's washed up because he was good last year. I don't think that some Astro fans understand how consistently good that guy has been over the last six or seven years. Now, the only downside, he's, he hit, he's a double play. Like, he gets into a lot of double plays. And I hate double plays. I hate ground balls. So I'm going to have to suck that up. Fortunately, it's a hammock season. But I'm sure enjoying it. Base hits the right. And homers the right. Y'all have a nice weekend.